Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Yourself Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. Hello, JR. Welcome to the end of week eight. We're here. We're here. I am shocked that we are eight weeks into this, about to start week nine. I know. You had mentioned it before we started it's only four weeks left it's almost near the end we're closer to the end than we were when we started i'm really excited to see where the next couple weeks are going to go and especially week 12 being the last one what is it that it's all culminating to yeah it's interesting this week i think has probably been the most instrumental to me and so i'm excited to share with you all the tasks that we've done the things we've learned because I don't know if it was because I just got back from my trip, <laughs> but it's been interesting. I feel very inspired and I feel like the activities we did this week, I don't think I could have done week one and had as effective results, which makes me even more excited for what is to come in the following weeks and the kind of things that she's going to set us up for. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, if we were to have done this chapter on week one, I think that I would have been struggling a lot more to find the answers for especially the activities. It was another week where it just felt like she was saying all the right things and all the things that I needed to hear. So definitely excited to get into it and, and see how you thought about this week as well. So week eight is recovering a sense of strength. Julia says this week tackles another major creative block, time. You will explore the ways in which you have used your perception of time to preclude taking creative risks. You will identify immediate and practical changes you can make in your current life. And so with that, of course, each episode, we start with the check-in for each week. Of course, JR, the first question, how many days this week did you do your morning pages? Have you been very tempted to abandon them? And how was this experience for you? I am happy to report that I ended up doing five out of seven days this week. It's been a good experience. There have been days where it is hard to try and put the words onto the paper and really stay focused on trying to do that. But I have noticed that a lot of the times I'm doing morning pages is first thing when I get to the office in the morning, just so... It happens that I just can't wake up early enough to get it done or not focused enough to do it, but still finding the time to, to do that at least as early in the morning as possible. And if it has to be with me taking some time to do it in the office when I get there, then so be it. I'm just happy that I was able to get to the five days this week in order to do it. Real progress. Thank you. What about you? 
I did four out of seven this week and granted three of the days were a part of the days I was in Texas and I was already having to wake up at 6 a.m. to be ready to go and so waking up even earlier than that when I was learning for 12 hours and going to bed at 11 p.m. was just not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I was like I can't do it. During the day I was spending so much time learning and getting motivated and inspired that I just was like during the day I'm taking so much notes and getting there that I it's okay. I will say though I have been very tempted to abandon them every single day. <laughs> um, I wake up and I'm like I don't want to do this today. And there was a day that I was like I'm skipping it. I don't even care. But then I did it. And so it's really interesting. I don't want to do them, but I am continuing to and I've been just using it to be like first thing in the morning before any external sources can censor me or block me or cloud my judgment like what am I feeling inspired about today and that's good the journal prompt I've been going with for my morning pages and that's been really helpful to when I start be like oh actually this isn't that bad and it sets up my day really well but we'll see how the next four weeks go (laughs) right yeah (laughs) it is interesting to see how how it has been evolved over time especially in our day-to-day and the things that we're trying to do and it's also just been a part of the routine for the both of us, regardless if we want to do them or not, that the morning pages are in the back of your head some way, somehow, and try to figure out the time when you can do it. But yeah, that that felt really real to me because there are so many days where I'm just like, uh, I think it's fine. What? <laughs> Two out of seven days? Who cares? <laughs> zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least none of us have had zero days. Yeah. You've got to at least have one. And that's a win. Uh-uh. So yeah. for the next question, always, did you do your artist date this week? Have you been allowing work and other commitments to sabotage this practice? Okay. Did you do your artist date this week? Have you been allowing workaholism or other commitments to sabotage this practice? What did you do and how did you feel? Big word there. <laughs> never heard that. I wouldn't say I did a traditional artist date, but I did have a lot of listening to what my artist wants or needs or trying to fill the well this week. I chose a lot of sessions that kind of spoke to me. I did a lot of brainstorming and idea searching. And even today, I had a couple, let's say, I think 25 minutes where I was just journaling and considering all the things that I want to do and allowing myself to have the time to pursue learning about those things without any judgment or expectation for myself. And then I also said yes a lot this week. I'm not the most social person where I just am so drained by the end of the day. And so what our days looked like is waking up early and leaving by 7.30 a.m., learning until 5 p.m., and then socializing after where everyone's like, oh, we never get to be together like all my colleagues. And so I kept saying yes to going out with them and so drained by the end of the day but it was really nice because I was allowing myself to be more adventurous and give into a part that I don't usually use that often and so we went swimming and it was this beautiful outdoor pool right in front of the lake which is really interesting but it was beautiful and it was so nice and I felt like I was exploring a new part of myself without the pressure which I guess is what an artist state (laughs) allows you to do I don't think my other commitments really sabotage this practice but I think as I continue to move forward the with the program and our 
remaining what is it like the third third mm-hmm. sector um but i want to think bigger about giving myself like two hours to do a big project big quote unquote but <laughs> and to kind of culminate all the things that i've been doing and see the potential it has it's just an interesting time for me right now because i'm moving soon and so a lot of my mental energy is in that kind of realm but yeah that's where i'm at what did you do this week this week i actually did the thing that i said i was going to do i went over to earth cafe over at uncommons uh, uncommons is a new kind of shopping area shopping mall kind of thing that just opened up here in vegas not too long ago that was my first time actually being down there. First time actually going to the coffee shop as well. Is it in the Arts District or where is it at? No. Uh, Uncommons is right there in front of the new Durango Stations Casino. Oh. That's being built. Yeah. So it's okay. right there off of Durango 215. And it's super nice. I was very surprised. It's like a mini downtown Summerlin oh, over cool, there. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Brand new. There's a lot of restaurants and bars that are not open yet. And they're still being built and renovated but actually driving down there felt like a totally different world which i didn't even know existed so it was really cool to go into the coffee shop order some coffee sit down and actually write and read throughout that hour that i was there and it was a great experience it was nice to actually do the thing that i said i was going to do which going into uh, have any commitments sabotage this practice i think the problem for me is uh, really setting that time and being committed to that time myself, not necessarily the things that are trying to take that time away or different activities that I've already scheduled for myself, whatever it may be. But it's just really having that sense of boundary when it is for me to say, you know what, I'm going to go do this thing for me and I'm not going to have anything else that's happening in the day steer me away from it so that has been the issue on my end it's going to be interesting to see how this all looks going forward because we're almost done with the program so it'll be interesting to see if our artist dates continue outside of the the show Yeah. yeah definitely um i think that's really cool though and it's nice to hear oh i planned this thing and i did it and i'm sure that your artist felt good about that that oh, you like play on yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was there for me mm-hmm. with that did you experience any synchronicity this week and if so what was it dude just like last week i don't know i can barely remember what happened three days ago so <laughs> I, I wrote in my check-in i don't remember so maybe as we get into the episode i'll say i always do oh that was a synchronicity so that's what i wrote how about you I did. Okay. <laughs> and wow, what a time. I did have to look at it, though, because I wrote it down, like, in the chapter. Um, and But I'm like, wow, I actually can say it at the time. So there is a line in the chapter, and obviously we'll get to this later, where she says, blocked creatives like to think they are looking at changing their whole life in one fell swoop. This form of grandiosity is very often its own undoing. By setting the jumps too high and making the price tag too great, the recovering artist sets defeat in motion. When I talk to my therapist about like the changes that I want to make, I always talk about it like it's like all at once. <laughs> and I'm like, it's so overwhelming. And like this or I have to do this big change overnight. And it's, I had this conversation before this chapter 
but I was talking about starting my own business and pursuing that. And she was like, you talk about it like you're going to quit your job and do it tomorrow. Nobody's pressuring you to do anything. You can just start oh, wow. and see where that takes you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's not all or nothing. What? <laughs> That's um, crazy. <laughs> so I definitely related to that. And it was, it's always cool. And I'm sure you relate. We've talked about in the past when you read the chapter and you're like, this is exactly what's going on in my life right now. And to it's very valid. I, it's very validating to see it on paper or on our iPads. <laughs> yeah. I guess <laughs> in that sense, then yes, I did have the same synchronicity where, yeah, there was a lot of things that she was saying that I was like, oh, this is actually happening right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's really cool that your therapist, you have the artist way, we're doing the activities, we're doing the tasks, but you also have, I don't want to say the reinforcement. When you go talk to your therapist about the things that are, going on in your life and have to relate to the artist way it's nice to know that there is somewhat of a relatability when it comes to that and when your therapist says the thing that you wanted to hear or didn't know you needed to hear it's that validation of just like, oh yeah okay so, <laughs> this is happening i'm creating my own reality right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with that the last question were there any issues uh, this week that you considered significant for your recovery no. And that's the first week I can say that. But I think that I'm in a point now where I feel so inspired that it's just about doing it. And I think that we're getting the tools to like embark on that process. And she's getting, almost like we're her little birds and she's training us to fly and leave the nest. I'm very excited for it. What about I you? I love that. I love that. For me, I think it's just focus. I think being focused on not only just the reading, but also the tasks and making sure that I'm really putting the effort into what it is that needs to be accomplished for the week, along with everything else that's happening in my life and at work and whatever, to really have that focus time to to put that effort into everything. I've been doing really good throughout the couple of weeks. I think this week is a little bit wonky just because of what's going on at work. So a lot of my thought process and investment in time has been with that. But it is nice to know that I was still able to get it done and really put in that effort that I needed to make it feel authentic. More yeah, focus. Fo- focus is definitely a big thing. Yeah. That's why I'm like trying to hold on to my inspiration right now because that can guide me and stay focused on the things I want to. <laughs> and with well, that, I guess we get into week eight, recovering a sense of strength. The fun part, our first chapter is on survival. So Julius says, one of the most difficult tasks an artist must face is a primal one, artistic survival. All artists must learn the art of surviving. Loss of hope, loss of face, loss of money, loss of self-belief. In addition to our many gains, we inevitably suffer these losses in an artistic career. She then goes on to say, in order to move through loss and beyond it, we must acknowledge it and share it. She says, because artistic losses are seldom openly acknowledged or mourned, they become artistic scar tissue that blocks artistic growth. A couple things I highlighted in this chapter. She goes on to to say, so what the chapter is getting at here, what I got from it anyway, is that to survive as an artist, there's a lot of things that you have to take emotionally. 
one internally and the challenges you face there, but also the kind of exterior critiques you get, the feedback, the obstacles that kind of input. And she says the most damaging form of artistic loss has to do with the criticism and that much true criticism liberates the artist it is aimed at. Which I thought was interesting going over this chapter. She... Sorry. You're good. <laughs> it, please. Going over this chapter, it rearranges how I think about my own approach to caring for my artist, I guess is the best way to put it. And I feel she, this whole time, we're on week eight here, she's been setting up that we need to care for our, our artist the same way we would care for a child and nurture it and not let it get so bogged down, I think, in the little things and that doing that so early on in the process is what leads to why people give up on their dreams, really. And I really like the quote here, which I feel like she says at least once, somehow, some way in each right. chapter. She says, I shall become a master, or it's a quote, but she says, I shall become a master in this art only after a great deal of practice. And that is from Eric Fromm, um, which again gets at that we're not starting as masters. And while that's so hard to internalize, I feel like reading it every week, I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I got it. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm finally getting to a place where I'm internalizing that. And I think that's what's great about her giving us that message each week because we're continuing to learn that part of our survival is by internalizing those beliefs and reforming how we think about criticism and, and all of those things. And Again, I always think it's interesting what she chooses to start off the week with in the chapters, but that's the prime of what I got from it. What what am I missing from what you got this week? No, I think that you hit it on the head. This is exactly how I felt as well, and just that idea that there's a lot of power behind being able to understand that there is going to be a lot of work that needs to be done, not only just becoming the artist that you want to be and starting as a beginner and working your way up to what it is that you want for your craft, but also as a human being as well, that there are going to be bumps on the road. There's going to be situations that are going to try to bring you down. You just have to acknowledge those things that end up happening and try to push forward the best that you can and realize that these are just stepping stones to becoming the better, the greatest artist that you can be. I relate that a lot to a lot of personal experiences as well. This is just a lot of things that happen in your life that are really hard and even things that will bring you down pretty far down that you just have to try and do your best to not only work through them, but acknowledge them as well and not try to hide the fact that these things are coming up or whatnot. So I think that was pretty powerful. One thing that I highlighted on here was does no good to say, oh, it happens to everybody or who, let me take that back. It does no good to say, oh, it happens to everybody or who was I kidding anyway? The unwarned disappointment becomes the barrier that separates us from, from future dreams. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like I've gone through that a little bit, especially with the artist way and early on in the first couple chapters of just trying not to own up to the idea that this is something that is unique 
or whatnot, but really it's just what you have to deal with. And being able to overcome that is something that's really important. Yeah. And I like what she's getting at there because she's saying, yes. And I feel like we talk about this a lot where it's like validating to be like, it's not only me who's experiencing this, but what she's saying is don't stop yourself there and allow yourself to still feel bad about it. Like you can still mourn, but you don't need to let that kind of prolong itself because it's not like this is something that nobody's ever experienced before. And it's really interesting because I feel like the who was I kidding anyway is really like an easy one to internalize as an artist where you're like, everything everyone said was right. Who was I kidding? And so it's really interesting to read that and be like, don't do that. I can separate myself from that there and yeah it's an interesting way to start the week and i like that she leads into the next chapter which is called the ivory power if you want to start us off jr yeah it has been my this is julia speaking it has been my perilous privilege over the past decade to undertake teaching forays into the grooves of academia it is my experience as a visiting artist that many academics are themselves artists are themselves artistic beings who are deeply frustrated by their inability to create. Skilled in intellectual discourse, distanced by that intellectual skill from their own creative urges, own creative urgings, they often find the creativity of their charges deeply disturbing. I think that this in particular, this chapter, which for what I thought it was about, is more of what academia what teachers can do as far as what it is that they try to show other students or show people who are trying to become that particular artist but more importantly the power that individual or those individuals have over a student and their progression over time and how really just trying to develop those skills within that person to believe that they can be what it is that they want to be and to do the thing that they want to do that they're passionate about instead of stunting their growth and telling them no or this is wrong and really making them feel out of place or not even want to continue there's one thing that i had highlighted on here that was pretty powerful to me once i find it Julia says, to be blunt, most academics know how to take something apart, but not how to assemble it. And I think that is something that I won't say that everybody has experienced in their educational career. I will say that I've experienced something like that, where it feels like it's more about trying to do things by the book, try to be within the lines of what is necessary in order to graduate and to pass your classes, but not really allowing you to be creative, to ask the questions that normally wouldn't be asked. So that was something that resonated with me. What did you think of the chapter? Yeah, this chapter was calling me out the whole time. I was like, wow, this is my experience in a chapter. And it's interesting to hear it that way, because as an academic, you think that like doing things by the book in that way is how you receive the encouragement and the praise. Um, And I feel like I very much took that route instead of being creative. I said, okay, if 
creative is a risk to be creative, then I'll do things exactly the way it's supposed to be done by the rules. And it's a shame that it's also pushed by mentors, by professors, teachers to do that. And that once you stray, it's like, this isn't exactly what I was wanting from you. So I quite, I, so I highlighted quite a few things during this chapter and I'll go through a couple of them and talk about my thoughts. The first one at the beginning, she has a quote from Albert Einstein. Imagination is more important than knowledge, which I was like, wow, Albert Einstein said that (laughs) someone who you would expect to be like one of the smartest people. And it shows that you can be both. And I think it takes away from that kind of stigma that artists are like not smart and that you can either be smart or be creative, but it's not something that kind of goes together, if you know what I'm getting at. Right. And I really like that quote. That's something that I'd put on my wall or something like that. So she talks about that later in the chapter. She says, the entire thrust of intellectualism runs counter to the creative impulse. For an artist to become overly cerebral is to become crippled. This is not to say that artists lack rigor. Rather, that artistic rigor is grounded differently than intellectual life usually admits. I very much look at my life as very intellectual. My whole school career, that was the route I took. Um, And to kind of step back and be like, there was another way to go about that is very eye-opening to me and it also changes the way that i approach things moving forward i think in a way that feels very new and like i'm still discovering what that looks like for me similar to the first chapter she ends the chapter saying that you need to give yourself the dignity of admitting your artistic wounds that is the first step in healing them no inventory of our artistic injuries would be complete without acknowledging those wounds that are self-inflicted. Many times as artists, we are offered a chance that we balk at, sabotaged by our fear, our low self-worth, or simply our other agendas. Yeah, it's really interesting for me to kind of, again, just take a step back. I think this is what the chapter did for me and look at if I've tried to, and for me, it's, is the reason why I'm, I've been held back so long is feeling this way. Like I need to approach it so by the book that I'm like, I need the answers when there isn't just one. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I feel stuck because I'm like, I don't know what path to choose. But the whole point is that you don't have to do it by the book because there's no book to follow. Right. <laughs> like love isn't structured that way. So that's what I got from this section. Yeah, I love the way that you said that too. And it just trying to be as free-flowing as you can when it comes to this especially when it becomes something of of a passion of yours the creativity that you want to put out this really resonated with me as well i even highlighted in yellow in here about the give yourself dignity of admitting your artistic wounds i think it's very true and really a lot of the stuff that i have dealt with with myself personally is myself stopping myself And she gives an example here. One, she says that Jack is offered a dream job in his field in a faraway city. It's a great job, but he turns it down because of all the friends and family he has where he is. And that's just one of many examples of us stopping ourselves from experiencing the things that we want to experience simply because we're afraid of what that leap of faith will look like something that we're not used to and want to stay comfortable we use these other external factors as our excuse which really is an excuse 
to go after what it is that we want to go after. And that really hit home for me. There's a lot of times in my life where I could have made a different decision if I just was a little bit more confident in myself and my abilities to do the thing. But instead I use these other examples to try and stop me from doing that because that's what actually feels the safest. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because reading those examples, I was like, wow, I I can remember in my own life where I've made those choices and felt like, is the gain enough where I'm okay with losing everything else? As if it's a one or the other kind of thing, which again goes back to what I was mentioning about how I have that all or nothing kind of mindset. Right, yeah. But it does make you sit there and think about what does it mean to truly pursue what you're interested in and your goals? If you aren't willing to do those things, then how important is it to you? I don't know if it was here or where I've heard it from, but the idea of are you okay if your dream never happens or you never achieve the goal? If you take a look at it, will you still be okay? And that'll determine that for you. And to take a look at, I wish I could know what it looked like if I did achieve it. And I don't want to have to give that up. But it tells you a lot about what you value and where you're at, I think, in your life and the stages. Because I think depending on how rooted you are in an area, it becomes increasingly more difficult to just up and leave. And I think once you have a partner, it makes it difficult because you're asking them to do the same. So it's really interesting. And again, this whole week, I think that she did really great with building each chapter on top of each other. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, you had mentioned gain. The next chapter is called gain disguised as loss. Yes. And I'm really excited about this one. I highlighted a good part of the chapter. So she says art is the act of structuring time Every lost must also be viewed as a potential game. It's all in the framing. Did I say that right? Take it back. Every loss must always be viewed as a potential gain. It's all in the framing. Every end is a beginning. We know that, but we tend to forget it as we move through grief. So she starts presenting this idea of focusing on what lies ahead and how that becomes tricky because we're so focused on what we're losing at that moment. And so she continues on and she says it is a potential artist tool, the gain disguised as a loss. She says to acquire it, simply ask, how can this loss serve me? Where does it point my work? The answers will surprise and liberate you. The trick is to metabolize pain as energy. And I'll stop there before continuing because I really want to talk about this with you. Mm-hmm. I That was really profound to me, that whole idea of the metabolizing of there's an act there's it's a psychological thing it's sublimation i think is the word for it and it's when you use a negative emotion negative feelings negative situations and instead of encountering or giving into that or not producing anything you use that in a positive way and it helps reduce that kind of stress on the body but i think her continuing to provide these tools I know for me is helping me feel like I'm more set up that when I encounter these things I'm better set up for success and thinking about okay how can I use this to guide me moving forward and she's even said 
like when you receive criticism, take a look at your work and see if you can make it better with it. Is there, and instead of feeling so offended, think about it as someone assisting you with it or someone pointing something out to you from a new lens and you having the opportunity to rework things. And so I just wanted to hear this section in particular, if that impacted you the same way or what you're feeling. No, it really did. And just that particular example that you're giving, I have noticed being in this new role that I'm in at my job, obviously I'm a novice, don't know much, I'm learning every day, but there have been situations where I felt like I wasn't doing my best or I didn't, or I made a mistake on something and not channeling that energy into a positive really stunts my growth in that position but not only that just doesn't give me a lot of encouragement that I can do this and, and those negative thoughts start creeping in and tries to hold me back but really what it should tell me is that hey this is an opportunity for you to learn this is an opportunity for you to ask the questions and to get the advice from those that are knowledgeable in this role and I think that is what this chapter was really talking about is even though it may feel like a loss, if you just change the way that you say it, it can actually have a positive outcome. You're just, you just have to be willing enough to really try to harness that energy and to allow that to yeah. happen. And I think that for me, it has been continuous. Let me take that back. It has been constantly been a thing that I'm working at because I do catch myself once in a while where that negative energy just continues to be negative. But the times when I do change that into a positive and really change my mindset of what it is that I'm trying to do or to tackle or to, to learn, it does have a huge impact on not only the way that I feel, but how I carry myself in that role or that space. Yeah, and that's why I think section is so impactful because it changes the way I'm excited not to live next to a highway anymore. <laughs> it changes the way that you think about how to use those things and and instead push use that as a motivation to push you into finding the success in what you need to do. And so this next section I found to be I think the most impactful of the week. So I'm going to read the whole thing. Yeah. I love it. So she says, in order to catch the ball, you have to want to catch the ball. And she said, hearing this, I took it to mean stop complaining about the lousy curves you get thrown and stretch reach for what you really want. I have tried to follow this advice. She says, for years, I played studio roulette. Repeatedly, original scripts were bought and not made. Repeatedly, fine work languished on studio shelves, the victim of revolving studio doors. Go pictures became dead overnight except in my filmmaker's heart, which was heart, which was breaking. That's just the way it is, I was told repeatedly. If you want to see your films made, you must first sell yourself as a writer. And then if one of your scripts is made, and if that film is a hit, and if the climate warms up a little, then you might get a shot at directing. I listened to this conventional wisdom for a long time, racking up loss after loss, writing script after script. 
Finally, after one loss too many, I began to look for the other door, the one I had refused to walk through. I decided to catch the ball. I became an independent filmmaker. I left Hollywood. I went to Chicago, bought a used camera, and using my Miami Vice writing money, shot my own feature, a romantic 40s-style comedy. It was in the can for 31000 and it looked good. Then, incredibly, my sound tapes were stolen. I finished the film anyway, dubbing it in its entirety. The result won foreign distribution and fine reviews abroad, and I learned a lot. Because I asked how instead of why me. That had me sitting there for a second mm -hmm. because i feel like it's i'm one to just be like okay maybe this is all these signs that this isn't for me and it's really interesting because i've attended many conferences i've listened to many motivational speakers i've read so many books and i find that it's a common theme that successful people are not the ones where everything just works out for them right. it's the ones that faced obstacle after obstacle say no this isn't a sign I'm still going for it. What it takes to pursue your dreams is to pursue them no matter what comes up. Pursue them no matter what detriment happens, whatever obstacle, no matter what. It's a weird thing to think about because I, I know for me, I'm like, why do all these things keep happening? If I was in the situation, I'd be like, wow, this is a lot of work. And mm -hmm. I made the whole film and now the sound is stolen. And oh my gosh. But to hear it that way and to like reminisce about the speakers that I've heard before and how they've become successful, it means that you really have to think about what your goal is and its importance to you and i think where people get caught up is they're pursuing things that are not really of interest to them they're just pursuing the things they think they should right. and i know for me it made me look at our task this week which is really exciting i'm excited to get to um but it made me look at the goals that i set as as what am i willing to do that for and so I don't know if it had the same impact as you reading that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but no, I'd love to it did. Let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I loved every everything about that. I did highlight this as well, um, and I did have the same outcome after writing that. Just sitting there and just it was more of like an aha moment for me. Mm -hmm. We see this all the time, like you said, motivational speakers and the like that have these same stories of trials and tribulations and having to overcome extreme odds in order to become the success that they wanted to be this actually brought up this idea of consume versus create i think at least for me i consume a lot of inspirational things and things that i want to be passionate about but i don't actually create that often i do more of the consuming of the content than i do of creating it and this was just more of a realization of how is it that you're going to get through the door, whether it's the door that's right in front of you or seeing a different door that you need to go through without doing the work. You have to do the work. In what order a revelation. For, yeah. <laughs> you have to do the work in order to reap the rewards of what you're putting your time and effort into. When you don't do that, how are you going to expect these things to, to come to fruition universe or God or whatever creator you believe in is not just going to hand it over to you. If you're just sitting around, you have to put the effort into it. And that one sentence at the very end where she says, because I asked how, instead of why me, I think I fall into the trap sometimes of yeah. what was me. Oh man, the, I wish I just had more time or this thing is so hard or how is it that these people are doing this and how much time do I have to put? I ask myself too many questions when really I should be saying, 
okay, what is it that I have to learn? What is it that I have to do in order to get better at whatever it is I'm trying to do? Mm -hmm. um, so I really took a lot from this, the idea of yet again, you have to just do it because you never know what's going to come up Yeah. if you don't. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think it's a, a good build to the next section, which is age and time. Oh, boy. That's, it's a good... This, it's, this one hit home real, real quick. It's a good section. <laughs> I highlighted pretty much the whole first paragraph here, which is a good sum of the chapter. It's question, do you know how old I'll be by the time I learn to play piano? Answer, the same age you will be if you don't. Damn. I'm too old for that ranks with I don't have money for it as a great block lie we use to prevent further exploration. I'm too old is something we tell ourselves to save ourselves from the emotional cost of the ego deflation involved in being a beginner. I could star this 10 times, highlight mm -hmm. five times, like reread it every single day. Because My mind this was is blown. Yeah. Revolutionary. My mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. When I read that, I said, okay. Yet again, Julia does it where I'm just Start like, to can, finish. You, can you stop? Just stop doing this to me. All right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it's one of my favorite motivators to say the same age you will be if you don't. And I think she hit it on the head with saying it's the emotional cost of being a beginner and that we don't want to admit that, oh, we're this old and we're just starting out. And that was really inspiring to me to be like, I know so many people that are like, oh, I wish I wasn't too old to try or I really wish I tried. And I am a victim of it myself of being like, oh, I wish as a kid I would have been introduced to it so I could have right. permission to do it now. And it's like, who's stopping me from doing that? I don't live with my parents anymore. Nobody's stopping me. I could go pursue those things. And so I'm really intrigued as to what you got from the chapter. It was something that, that I struggle with a lot and me being 35 and age is relative to who you are and where you're at, right? 35 to somebody sounds really young still. 35 to somebody else might sound really old. And even to yourself, it might feel old. And sometimes I catch myself with that saying that me being 35, I feel like it, it, it's over. My life is done. Can't do anything else. Wrap it up. We're sending it home. So this one really was impactful in the sense of I was just saying it in the previous chapter of having all these excuses because it's easy for me to make an excuse for what it is that I'm afraid of doing. The thing that I had highlighted for this one that I it felt way too real for me is I'm too old is an evasive I'm too old is an evasive tactic it always use. Let me take all, all that back. Please edit that out. I'm too old is an evasive tactic. It is always used to avoid facing fear. And that was something that I just had to sit down and just like really look at and realize, okay, so this is yet again, something that Julia brought up that I've been struggling with for a long time is I make these excuses because I'm afraid of what will happen if I try. I'm afraid of what it will look like to start out in the very beginning and really just giving this kind of different viewpoint of thinking that I'll be the best at whatever it is that I'm doing. And then when it doesn't look like it's the best that I just stop immediately. Cause what's the point? It's just, it's crazy to think that one line, that one paragraph 
can really just set things in motion for you. Yeah, impact you the way it did. And it's interesting because we're a decade apart. It's interesting that you would think in your 20s that you wouldn't have that same mindset. But it still does impact me because I'm like, oh, I'm interested in these things. But you think about how nobody your age does them. Like people don't start as beginners or you don't hear of it often. And when you're younger, it's just so normalized. And I highlighted here, she said, creativity occurs in the moment. And in the moment, we are timeless. Kids are not self-conscious. And once we are actually in the flow of our creativity, neither are we. So... I'm just thinking about how, and we've talked about this in previous seasons of the conversation, how that curiosity kind of leaves us, the ability to give in to what we want to learn. After I read this, I was like, I'm going to list like 10 things I want to do now. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's almost like a sense of confidence of feeling like you're breaking free from something. I don't know if you get that kind of feeling, but you feel like you're like out of the mold now and you're like finally on the other side. It's amazing. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that a lot of the things that she is putting out there in the weeks are really building. Again, we said this before, building to some kind of culmination of something. And this week was that actualization of realizing that, no, I can do this stuff. Something really simple, right? I say all the time, I wish that my dad got me into golf when I was a kid. But really in my head, I should be saying, yeah, but you're playing it now. Yeah, (laughs) you really are. (laughs) You're playing it now. What are you talking about? You are able, you're willing and able to be able to play this game. And you've experienced so much through this game and met so many great people because of it that you still wish you would have started when you were a kid. You started when you started. And look at what has become of that. And I feel like a lot of people experience this as well with whatever it is that they're involved in and realizing that us being where we're at right now is timeless. And if you want to do something, go do it. It's amazing. And I'm like, this chapter really hit home. And it's definitely one that I feel can be just reread throughout the year. Or in times where you're feeling the censor come about. Just reading this, I'm like, no. Like, for some reason, Mm -hmm. it's just what I need to hear. (laughs) To be like, okay, move on. And I think she talks about that really well in the next chapter. It's called Filling the Form. So she says, what do I mean by filling the form, taking the next small step instead of skipping ahead to a large one for which you may not yet be prepared? Most of the time, the next right thing is something small. There is always one action you can take for your creativity daily. Blocked creatives like to think they are looking at changing their whole life in one fell swoop. And this was what I mentioned for my synchronicity. But she talks about how we don't need to be thinking that high and instead what's the one thing the Mm -hmm. one next small step she also says filling the form means that you write your daily morning pages which (laughs) all right julia nice little check there oh it's interesting but i do like she says it means that when obsession strikes as it will about how the damn thing is not any good you tell yourself that this is a question for later and turn back to doing what is the next right thing her quote is art you just do it by martin Ritt. and this chapter is really interesting because i think when i look at my big goals i think when i look at my big goals i feel like it's so far away that i just don't know where to start and when i take a look at okay 
what are the steps to get there and literally just listing all of them out and seeing what can I do today it feels much more manageable and it's something I've been trying to stop doing for years instead of going from A to Z you have to go from A to B and for some reason my brain is okay but how do you go to B if you don't know what C D E F G H exactly I'm like you only have 26 of them so you need to know how to space them evenly out amongst the 26 letters so you need whatever I can do to not start yeah and you know what it's funny because when I was reading this it brought me back to when I left my job to start my own business I, that was exactly what it was is I left with the end goal in mind instead of understanding <laughs> starting a business tough you might want to <laughs> know what that middle part looks like first before you take that leap best business but, advice of the year yeah, honestly. Yeah, hey, <laughs> learn from my mistakes people okay <laughs> But it was good to to read this and be in the place I'm at now because that makes me realize that dream is still very much alive. Just because it didn't pan out the way that I hoped doesn't mean that it's gone forever. And realizing that, reaffirming the idea that, hey, just take it one step at a time. There are many things that are out there, regardless of it's starting your own business, becoming an artist, whatever it may be. Just enjoy the process. Take your time. And eventually you will get to where it is that you want to be. Oh, one thing that she says, and I highlighted here, is indulging ourselves in a frantic fantasy of what our life would look like if we were real artists. We failed to see that many small creative changes that we could make at this very moment. This kind of look at the big picture thinking ignores the fact that a creative life is grounded on many small steps and very few large leaps. And... That was another one of those situations where I had to sit back and just realize, oh, okay. Yeah, she's She's, she's hitting right. home yeah. every word, every line. <laughs> just it's take your time. Good. Take the small steps. Enjoy that process. And don't get too ahead of yourself because that's when the problems start happening. Yeah. And I have a good amount of a page here where she connects a few ideas that I felt were also a big synchronicity where I was like, wow, she watched me and just wrote about it. That's what she did on this page. She says, one of our favorite things to do instead of our art is to contemplate the odds. Watch yourself for a week and notice the way you will pick up an anxious thought to delay your next creative action. Most blocked creatives have an active addiction to anxiety, but filling the form means that we must work with what we have rather than languish in complaints over what we have not. All of these things, I think that sums up the blocks that I have. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she wrote down, these are the things that actually block me more than anything else. And it's really interesting because contemplating the odds is something I love to do because one, it stalls me from starting. And two, I'm like, I feel more prepared and it feels less like a risk when I do this. Mm -hmm. um, but really, again, it's just stalling me to begin the thing. And it's interesting that she says that most blocked creatives have an addiction to anxiety because it's that overthinking. It's the, oh, I can't start yet. It's the, if I had the right supplies, it's the, and so when I was reading this, I was like, I've been doing that with my own interests of, until I have this and this and this, I can't really start. So we can prolong it longer when in reality, I have all the things I need to start. And I'm like, 
<laughs> okay, Julia. You got Thanks. it. <laughs> yeah, I read that part and I was just thinking in my head, was she at my office last week? Because on the last <laughs> episode, I was talking about procrastination and my boss mentioning that and how I get too overwhelmed with the idea of what the end result is going to look like. So I just never start. That really, again, drove it home of just that idea of we're not meant to be perfect at it. Yeah. So just take your time. And if you have the necessary things to get started, just do one thing. Just do one thing and to get that feeling out the way. She says, take one small daily action instead of indulging in the big questions. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we riddle ourselves with that anxiety of the unknown when really we just need to take one small step and get it started. Think about it. If you took one small step every day, that's 600. It's me not knowing how many days. <laughs> My cat started scratching and it distracted me. Okay. If you took one small step every day, that would be 365 steps in a year. Which is a lot. Think about how far you would be. Like, that's a lot of steps. You'd be forward. But instead you're like, oh, there's I, whatever way I can prolong it. But really... There's only so many steps you can do, and if you're doing one every day, right? You want to tell yourself one every week, just one step every day. But yet you tell yourself, "I don't really like walking." You're like that day can start next Monday. Tomorrow, (laughs) I swear, tomorrow is the day I'm gonna put my shoes on. I'm gonna start stepping. It's really interesting. And before we move on to the next exercise, is there anything else you want to talk about in this chapter? No, I'm excited to get into the exercises because I feel like this is all leading up to this and the task also later on in the show but with this one for the exercise early patternings did i say that right yep yep she says although we seldom connect the dots many of our present day losses are connected to our earlier conditioning children may be told they can't do anything or equally damaging be told they should be able to do absolutely anything with ease Either of these messages blocks the recipient. The following Which questions. Which one were you? I feel like I was at the, the latter. Absolutely. You should be able to do absolutely anything with ease. Yeah. Or it's um, not meant for you. Yeah. So that one was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, either, either of these messages blocks the recipient. The following questions are aimed at helping you retrieve and decipher your own conditioning. Some of them may f- seem not to apply about whatever they trigger for you. So it was fun. This was fun. I also will acknowledge that the very first block of questions, one through eight, were not answered for me. And I tried really hard to figure this what? out. I think that there had been, and not to get like super therapized up in, in this episode, but I think that there are some things that happened in my childhood, especially when it comes around my family, that not necessarily try to suppress, but I think that there are some things that are from my past that I just generally don't remember because mm, they were either traumatic. traumatic or negative or what it may be. So I was actually sitting there for a while just trying to figure out how to answer one through eight. And Now you understand I how I felt it. in previous weeks. Right. And I was like, what did you write for this? <laughs> So I'm interested in what you wrote for those. Yeah, I'll read mine. It was very interesting. Yeah, this one... I felt were things that I would be asked in therapy, like questions that I thought were so eye-opening for me, but that I could easily recall, which I'm surprised because for once I can actually do it. <laughs> and I'll feel a few to share. 
the first i'll read a couple here the first one as a kid my dad thought my art was blank that made me feel blank my answers was my dad thought my art was never right and he had to fix it and that made me feel like i was never doing things enough wow and i remember when i was thinking there and that came to me really quickly i remember i would draw and both my parents phenomenal at drawing my mom like was gonna go to art school she had like workbooks full of art it was amazing and they were both of them very creative and i remember me and my sister would want to draw obviously to be like them and to as kids and i would remember i would draw and show it to him and he would take the crayon and draw on my drawing to fix it what? like i i remember him being like oh here's how watch what I'm going to do. Like he, that's what he would say. And for me, I would be like, Oh, and it just instilled in me that what I was doing was never right. And that kind of put me off from creating things because I always felt like it was going to be every time someone saw it, they were going to say, you're missing this. Let me fix it for you. Right. Which I was like, wow. Like a so memory you, that I hadn't remembered since it happened truthfully. So do you feel that as an adult that has hindered you from being creative because that was always in the back of your head yeah i think that's where my desire to know everything is if i know all aspects of a medium and i can do it so many times or like obsess over the details so much that no one can say that something is missing that's what i feel like i'm doing and i've never connected it to that but I feel like that's why I'm like, okay, I really have to look at this. And here's what it, sh you could add something there. And that's there. And you can see it would hold someone back. Right. And so it's just really, I was like, wow, we're question one. <laughs> There's 20 questions here. I was like, okay. Chill, Julia. Yeah, you can see I was like, wow. It's very interesting. I'm trying to see what other ones I want to read here. Similar to what we were talking about. Number nine, the thing that I, the thing that ruined my chance to be an artist was, and what came up for me was not learning it as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I had to develop this tool, the like skill then. And I think like psychological media and stuff does a bad job with that because I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people will say, oh, as a kid, you have all of the like, like synapses and you pick up things so much quicker and as an adult it becomes so much harder to do that and so you hear that and you're like oh that means i can't do it then okay percent. got yep. it it's too late now got it <laughs> <laughs> i actually answered that same one i said the thing that ruined my chance to be an artist was being career driven and i think that Ooh. when me coming out of high school and going into college the thing that my parents were very adamant about was getting a good job that pays a lot of money and yep. so that's all that I was thinking about. So that's how I fell into IT. Obviously, there was a love and passion for technology, which helped. But I don't think that there was really any room for creativity in that line of work. But it was a job that was secure, that was going to pay a lot, quote yeah. unquote. And that's what I was focused on. I never thought about editing videos or being a photographer or anything that is creative never really thought about it but the interesting thing is when i wrote that down how many of those things i was doing before that idea popped into my head that when i was a kid i would always be creative creating stories oh, yeah, yeah. doing color like everything that as soon as this idea came into my head when i was in high school all of that started to 
fade away. Then all it was about mm-hmm. was just trying to get a good job. Like trading one for the other. Exactly. Yeah. And realizing that you could have had both and now you are having both. It was just, I'm gonna, I would just say, it. I think it was sad to write that down. The whole like, thing is sad. It's sad. Fond memories. It's sad, no, but it, it, it was interesting to, to come to that realization. And I actually wrote something similar for number five. It's connected to number four. So number four is, as a kid, my mother taught me that my daydreaming was blank. And then number five is, I remember she would tell me to snap out of it by reminding me. And my answer was, I don't want to continue to be poor. And that, and it's interesting because looking back, my mom was never someone that would tell me not to pursue those things. But I do think it was very instilled that if I want to go up a tax bracket and break the mold then i have to do something different and i can't like i said she wanted to be an artist when she was younger didn't pursue it but mm-hmm. it's interesting because she didn't pursue it and she still didn't come out of it she's good now but i'm like wait maybe i should pursue <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, same kind of thing where you choose career over the creativity because you're like that's the more stable option and right. that's what's instilled in you especially um, for parents of our generations it was more about being safe and secure than it was to go after your passions as it was as it is now number 14 and i said i was told blank i said art can only be a side gig and really what that mm. meant was art can only be for fun you don't make a living when you try to pursue art and that sucks to even have that in my head at the time of realizing i don't know if i can do these creative things and actually make some money my my parents want me to be secure and they want me to have a good job and being an artist doesn't to them doesn't sound like a good job or a secure job but it's interesting because when you make a lot of money from it and you get like the status of it it is seen as very like high and praiseable so it's either you're broke or you're like picasso which also comes back to this idea of not allowing yourself to be a beginner Mm -hmm. like you think that if you're gonna start to do this art thing that you better be really good because if you're not then you better figure out a different path (laughs) all of these i think were really good it's definitely an activity that i recommend for even those of you listening that are not following around along directly with the program i would definitely go into chapter eight week eight and go to the early patternings because you learn a lot about where you're at and where you came from and so it's interesting she talks about like the early conditioning and i I felt like i got a lot out of it yeah i did too and it was a really good exercise especially with it leading into the next part of the chapter we're talking about affirmations and we're no strangers to affirmations we've talked about it in length it's uh, definitely can be a really life-changing thing to have those affirmations in your life and julia says in this one the following affirmations affirm your right to the practice of your creativity select five affirmations and work with them this week and some of the affirmations here are i am a talented person i have a right to be an artist my creativity blesses others and i now share my creativity more openly i wanted to know which ones did you pick for this week yeah i'll give you three so I did the, I am a good person and a good artist. I, I now allow myself to heal. I did that. I now share my creativity more openly um, as me kind of trying to say you can start and you can share those things. And then I did the, I now accept God's help unfolding my life and hoping that if God loves 
artists and the creations, then he will allow that to unfold for me as well. I love that. The one that I did not pick, or that you didn't pick that I did, I said, I now treat myself and my creativity more gently. And that was more so of not just for this exercise, for this program, but just in life in general has been that mantra of be kinder to yourself, be more gentle with yourself in order to really have the full potential of what is it that I can do. And that one really was something that was important to me. And it's something that I'm going to carry on for a long time. That's good because she's really trying to build that within us. I think I'm like getting there. I'm like, my artist is like a tween. So I'm not so gentle like a baby, but we're moving down in the ages. there. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. There you go. (laughs) Now to the best part of the episode, the tasks, not as many as previous weeks, but JR and I did decide to do both of us. Number one, it's called goal search. It says you may find the following exercise difficult. Allow yourself to do it anyway. If multiple dreams occur to you, do the exercise for each one of them. The simple act of imagining a dream in concrete detail helps us bring it into reality. Think of your goal search as a preliminary architect's drawing for the life you would wish to have. The steps. One, name your dream. That's right. Write it down. In a perfect world, I would secretly love to be a blank. So I guess we'll just go step by step here and talk about our experience. It was interesting because what came from me was a lot of words. And I was like, okay, can we pick one? (laughs) (laughs) Multiple dreams. Uh, It's interesting. So I wrote a wellness influencer that demonstrates reclaiming your life and the control you have, comma, an author, comma, a speaker, comma, a trainer, comma, an expert, a connector, a safe space creator. I love that. And I can totally see you being that. That's amazing. Like all the things, but like they're all connected to one thing. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm just different titles. What was your number one? In a perfect world, I would secretly want to be a entrepreneur. And I feel like after doing the exercise, I would want to go back and do a couple more because there's a lot more that's involved with that. <laughs> I think that the word entrepreneur kind of gets muddled a little bit there's multiple meanings of what that looks like and whatnot i would really want to try to zero that in a little bit more and i think i did near the end of the steps but i think that there is still that desire to be that type of person cool step two do you want to read that out yeah name one concrete goal that signals to you its accomplishment on your emotional compass this goal signifies true north No, two people may want to be an actress. They share that dream. For one, an article in People magazine is the concrete goal. To her, glamour is the emotional center for her dream. Glamour is true north. For the second actress, the concrete goal is a good review in a Broadway play. To her, respect as a creative artist is an emotional center for her dream. Respect is true north. Actress one might be happy as a soap star. Actress 2 would need stage work to fulfill her dream. On the surface, both seem to desire the same thing. I'm intrigued as to what you put with this because entrepreneur was so broad. I said owning multiple businesses that contributes to society in a positive way. It's a business owner. Multiple. You didn't say necessarily franchise, so I'm guessing they're different kinds of businesses. Yeah. And you're doing something positive. So potentially nonprofit. 
I said a New York Times bestselling author that speaks on TV question mark. I said maybe having a community of people that tune into weekly, monthly things that I release and are able to talk about the tools that I've given to help them and being able to say that I like have done that and I'm able to, but I'm able to see it. So it's more like being able to establish a place for the community to chat. Yeah. But question marks for both, because I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that would signify, but those are what kind of come to my head. So I'm like, maybe that's what true success for me is being on the today show. <laughs> would you say that notoriety is important to you being known for something? I would like to say no, as long as like I can see the impact. As I get older, I realize that I need to be the one saying it. And before I used to be like, it doesn't matter as long as it's said. But like the more I work in this field and learn, I'm just like, like I want it to come from me for some reason. Kind of that uh, creative control aspect of things, right? Maybe, yeah. It's interesting. I do like the work in the nonprofit space and working as like a team to contribute to something. But maybe because I've just realized that like I am the only one with my specific goals. So for it to be done the way I want it to be done, I just have to do it. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. I've known you for a little bit now and I do see that in you. And I think that you are fully capable of, of doing that. So I appreciate it. Yeah brings us to number three in a perfect world where would you like to be in five years in relation to your dream and true north okay now i actually got specific so number three i ended up saying financially free owning a home at the cliffs which is over here in summerlin freedom to do anything and everything i want that's what i ended up saying i feel like if i were to do it the way that i can envision it that this is fully capable of becoming a reality Interesting. Huh. What about you? I have in five years, I'd like to have started and have a good hold on the platforms I use. So just meaning that like, I understand how I'm using the platforms. I understand the kind of content schedule and the way that I do my creation, like authentically. I would hope that in five years that like I've at least had that like a good foundation started, I think is where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> but when it comes to number four, it's interesting. It's in the world we inhabit now, what action can you take this year to move you closer? What did you put? I ended up saying go back for my master's in business. Oh, that's specific. I ended up saying learn foundational principles to better prepare myself to take that leap. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Number five, what yes. action can you take this month, this week, this day, right now? Which I think laying it out that way is actually really cool because it, it creates A, B, C, D, E, F. It creates mm -hmm. that for you in a way to see it broken down. However, when you say right now, I'm like, right now can start any time. Yeah. It could start in this moment. It could start right now, tomorrow. We don't have to get specific there unless there's something you want to point out. But... For me, it was interesting to see how much I could be doing now and that, like I was mentioning earlier, I don't have to think I need all, I don't need steps like NOP to be figured out before I start BCD, but that's where I'm at with this section. It was good to see and it definitely allows me to see a good starting place. 
those who are listening are going to say, the only thing I really got is that she likes her alphabet. <laughs> what did you get? But yes, from that step, it, it was nice to see that I'm capable of outlining things, of trying to achieve certain parts of what it is that I'm trying to do, instead of just sitting there and trying to get to the very end and not know how to do it in the middle. So yep. that exercise, that part of of this was really helpful in realizing that yes, you can map out everything without starting yet and not feel like you have to have it all answered. And I think that's a good place to start with being able to break it down that way. And I'm glad that you got that as well. Cause I feel like we both have similar structured goals in the way of wanting to own our own thing, mm -hmm. be our own boss, go that route. So I'm interested with this next part. It's list your dream list, select a role model, and then make an action plan. Five years, three years, one year, one month, one week. Now choose an action. Reading this book is an action. My dream summed up is a renowned expert in wellness advocacy. And then my true north is mass communication. So being able to reach a lot of people. And then my role model I struggled with, which is interesting because I usually never, I could name my like actual real model but when it came to someone who's doing similar things i was like no there's not really anybody <laughs> there's like people that are no. doing pieces of it like i was like oprah question mark but oprah is not really big anymore so i don't know where she Dang. went you know? hey now um, come on now i'm not talking smack about her but don't i'm like oprah, like that where'd she oh. go and so she used to be really big in like the advocacy in that space sure she um, needs a I... true north star that's what she needs <laughs> I listed some other motivational speakers, but I was like, you know, to do the combination of things I haven't yet found, but I think I just need to do a little bit more research and looking into who's doing similar things because I think that's helpful too, to see what path they've taken and like the ways they're reaching their audience as well. I'm trying also not to get so caught up in doing research that I don't actually start myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're walking a fine line, Julia. <laughs> What did you get from this section? Yeah, I was able to to put the goal or the dream is I want to be a successful entrepreneur in the golf industry. That's what I am. Oh, we're oh, developing. So you like how I did that? <laughs> the little breadcrumbs to the very end was so. Yeah. So I figured, hey, why not merge the two things that I like or I'm passionate about, put them together, and let's see what we can do with that. So the true Norse that I ended up writing was successful in the industry recognized by my peers one brand that changes the industry is wow. the idea here and that's for a role model there's this guy his name is roger Steele, and he's a golf influencer he's a black golf influencer and mm. i say this all the time especially in the ram golf club las vegas community as well that it's important for me to to relate to somebody who looks like yeah. me so he's done quite a lot already in the golf industry in the past couple of years. And that wasn't even his path when he first started, like what we were talking about earlier in the show. And he's done a lot, not only for the golf industry, but for the youth as well and getting them into golf and a lot of charitable work. So that was something that was really inspirational for me and something that I think is a good role model for myself to, to follow in those footsteps. But more importantly, the action plan, the five-year, three-year, one-year, again, was nice to be able to just sit there and write Break it down. and actually see yourself in those, those sections.
but it was a realization of understanding that I don't have to continue to keep it in my head as to where is it I want to go. I think there's a lot of things that I want to start. There's things I want to do, but I always think way too big and don't write anything down that this exercise gave me that ability to do that and really just be able to map things out. It yeah. was cool too to go backwards instead of forwards instead of starting right now into five years she says start five years then go backwards i've never done something like that before but that actually helped out a lot because mm -hmm. you can work backwards from the end goal because it's almost i don't know how to get there when i'm starting from here but if i'm starting from there i would know what i'm doing it's weird because either way but like you feel like if you're right. starting at the five-year point then you've already done it <laughs> and so right. you know exactly how you got there uh, julia just knows she she knew what she was doing i don't know where she learned but she knows what she's doing <laughs> so for this week we're not going to go into all the tasks since it's already a long episode for you all i will list a couple other tasks i do recommend i'm sure jr recommends this week was really good for the tasks of course, the program in its entirety builds up to this point. But one that stuck out for me was new childhood. What might you have been if you had the perfect nurturing? Write a page of this fantasy childhood. What were you given? And can you reparent yourself in that direction? Which one do you want to point out, Jer? I ended up picking number three, color schemes. Pick a color and write a quick few sentences describing yourself in the first person. What is your favorite color? What do you have that is that color? what about an entire room i think that was a really fun one just because i've never done something like that before and got myself out of my uh, comfort zone yeah which i think is important especially going through this program so it was cool yeah that one was really fun too if you want to follow along each week if you want to see other tasks we definitely recommend going into the week doing the whole program honestly at this point we have right. four weeks left crazy see if you would have started with us, you would have had only four weeks left. But the second best time to start is today. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> with that, we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what this week means to you. Please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. That way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show. Of course, thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.